I'm going to be speaking this morning about abiding, abiding in Jesus. And, and the Lord is, uh, it's not that I haven't spoken on this before, because, you know, being a pastor, I mean, at some time or another, you're going to speak on John 15, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches, and, and, um, and I've done that before. But it's like God started opening this up and putting that, laying that on my heart again, and then things just start opening up. And you kind of, uh, uh, it helps when you, when you know you're on the right track of what to speak on. When uh, you pick up, an, uh, I, I get Pastor Charles Simpson's personal newsletter, and I get his magazine one-to-one, and when you open it up, and he, he's talking about some of the same things. I mean, it's like, uh, Amy gets, uh, my daughter Amy gets that magazine, and she said, uh, she had asked me earlier, Dad, what are you speaking on? I told her abiding, and she starts reading the magazine. I hadn't had a chance to read it yet, and she said, Dad, have you read this? I said, no. She said, he's talking about abiding, <laughs> abiding here. And the newsletter was very similar, and so I, I'm starting to glean some, some new things and, um, concerning abiding in Christ. But let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 15, and... Um, I was able to unpack part of my office, been here since uh, November last year, and uh, I've missed my books, my library, and so I couldn't get it all in, but I, I got uh, some, some of it in, and I was unpacking, and uh, I've had uh, different Bibles I've used through the years because of different references and things, and I'm unpacking them, I'm unpacking other books that I've read through the years, and it's like, you find old friends. You just find old friends. I, I know you can get a lot of this on the internet, but man, I, I'm a hands-on person. I mean, I like, I, I want to read it, and I want to read it again, and I want to read it again, and, and, um, and not um, use up all my um, gigabytes on my internet. <laughs> Uh, John chapter 15. I'm going to read the first, um, just to get this in our spirit, actually the first 17 verses, where the whole subtitle is um, The Vine and the Branches. And then we're going to depart from there and go backwards about 2,000 years on something, because I'm trying to lay a foundation here on a body. I am the vine, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an NIV person, so all my scripture references are NIV. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Some translations, I think the message says, I am uh, uh, the gardener, uh, says, I am the farmer. I like that. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. That's uh, NIV's translation of abiding. I think King James uses the word abiding there. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. 
Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. He's appointed us to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now there is a, there's a lot in there. There's been volumes just written on those few scriptures. Um, concerning abiding, remaining in Him. And a lot of it boils down to it, it, it's a choice that we make. To stay connected to Him, to abide in Him, to keep that connection uh, uh, going, making that choice. Will I remain in Him? Will, will I make that choice to, to want to be connected to Him? Because that's what abiding means. That's what, uh, when you look at the word abiding, it, it means to remain stable or to re remain fixed. And if you look at the Greek word, it's M-E-N-O, meno. It, it, it means to stay in a given place, to stay in a given relation. And it means to, to, to dwell there, to make your abode there, to be always present there is, is what abiding means. So it's, it's, it's about a relationship, a connecting relationship between us and Jesus in, in, which, in which we get to experience his presence, just as we sing about. Because we're connected to him. We're, we're in relationship with him. We're, we're abiding with him. His, his presence is there. So as we read these scriptures, we, we see a connecting relationship between Jesus and Father. I mean, he talks about that. And Jesus wants that for us. He, uh, that by connecting with him, that we have that direct connection uh, to Father. Abba, Father. Our Daddy. Through Jesus. We get that direct connection to him. And we know we can go into the very throne room of God because of that connection and be in, the, in his presence. So I want us to see that by that connection to Jesus, the true vine, we have, a, we have a, that direct connection to Father. Okay? That's at, that's at verse 10. Um, I'll find that here. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain his, his love. We, we have a connection to the Father's love through Jesus Christ, our Daddy's love. Now, there are certain things, that we read a few of them here, there's certain results that happen when we abide in Jesus, when we keep that connection going on. 
Uh, one is fruitfulness. It talks a lot about and much fruit and lasting fruit by abiding in Him. It talks about ant prayers being answered, answered prayer by abiding in Him. And the other scripture, we're not going to get into that today, but uh, uh, connection to Jesus, I mean, there's, the results is peace in our lives when we're connected to Him. There's no angst when we're connected to Jesus. There's no worries. There's peace in our lives. There's a new life that we get by connecting with Jesus. And there's a righteousness that comes in our connection with Jesus and our right relationship with the Lord and with Father God. So what we're really talking about is, is a relational presence of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. What I hope we see this morning is that that relational presence, and we sing about you know, uh, some of that this morning, but the, the heaven on earth, that, that there's an open heaven for us in our relationship with Jesus. I'll be the first to say that we can mess up sometimes. And we, in a sense, can get disconnected from that. Uh, and we're going to look at a couple of times in Scripture where, 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 where I, I see that that's happening, but then Jesus comes in and there's a restoration that happens. Because His desire is always stay connected to us. And um, of Jesus drawing others back when, when they, they start sliding away. And, and yes, we have a choice on our part, and, but by his grace, his desire is that we stay connected, that none would slip away from his hand. Amen. Okay. So my life is, is an example of that. I, I, I won't give every details of that testimony, but my life is an, an, an example of that of where I was slipping away, but by his grace, he came. He came. And I made that connection. But before we get on all of that, I want to lay a foundation for um, this relational connection. And I, don't, I want us to review some things that happened nearly 2,000 years ago. I'm not going all the way back to the garden, but, uh, you know, we, we, we know that... Um, uh, the fall of man in the Garden of Eden and, and, and what happened there. And then it was the flood and Noah and God uh, was, was starting over, so to speak. But I want to pick up with Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 and 13. I'm not going to read all, those all the verses, but I'm going to pick and choose and read some things. So I want to lay a foundation here of God making that connection with man again and pouring out his promises and his blessings upon man. And in these two chapters, we see that at, at least three times, uh, Abram, this is before uh, God changed his name to Abraham, father of nations, the Lord and him are building this relationship with each other. And two of those times are in the same place, okay? Genesis, uh, I'm going to start at uh, uh, verse 6 of chapter 12, and then I'm going to back up to verse 1. So at verse, uh, let's read verses 6 and 7. 
Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah and Shechem. At Shechem, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, "To your offspring, I will give this land." So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, really, that's not the first time you think reading it, that, that that's the first time that the Lord has appeared to Abraham. But if you look at verse 1, and uh, we'll read 1 through 3 because it's where the blessing is. The Lord had said to Abram, he had already spoken to him at another time. It, we don't, we're not given the detail, all the detail, but the Lord had already spoken to Abram to leave your country. So a relationship was forming even before what we just read. Your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse all, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The Lord is building a relationship with man again, with Abram. Now, we pick up at Genesis uh, verse, uh, 12, verse 8. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Beth, Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and contended toward the Negev. And now, in between, he has a little side trip to Egypt. And that whole situation happens between Abram, Sarah, and Pharaoh. And, and, um, but I want to pick up on chapter 13 where he's heading back out of Egypt, okay? Um, because this is another encounter of Abram with the Lord, okay? So at Genesis 13, let's look at verses 1 through 4. Stay with me as, as I, uh, I lay this foundation of connecting with God, connecting with Jesus. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. See, the blessings are already happening. God's word is true. The blessings are already happening to Abram. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. Sound familiar? He's been there before, right? He's been there before. And I, uh, to the place between Bethel and I, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Are you with me? A relationship is building here between Abram and the Lord. And that relationship gets extended to all his descendants. All his descendants of which we've been grafted in. So it pertains to us too, okay? Now, Genesis 28 We're going to pick up with Jacob fleeing for his life. The blessings have been passed on to Isaac. They've been passed on, uh, 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 about to be passed on to Jacob. And we're picking up in, in chapter 28 where 
he, Jacob has already stolen the birthright from, from his brother Esau. And Esau's found out, and now he's having to flee with his family, okay? Uh, Genesis 28, verses, um, let's start at verse 10. And I think I'll read through 16. Jacob left Bathsheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. That was no just coincidence. That happened on purpose, that he stopped at this, this particular place. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stair, stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was, he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I'm going to keep reading a little bit. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called, called Luz. When you see Luz in the Bible, it relates to Bethel. Okay. Jacob is back where his grandfather Abraham called on God and had set up and he set up a pillar commemorating all that because the God that called on his grandfather is now calling on him. Okay? And in Genesis 35, I'm not, we're not going to turn that, we, we see that Jacob at God's request returns to Bethel returns to that place and builds an altar and he sets up another pillar and he anoints it again. There's something special about Bethel. There's something sacred forming about that place Bethel because two rocks have been anointed commemorating it. You don't anoint anything just to anoint it. it it's, it's special when you start anointing something with oil. So that place is significant. It, 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 it's, Bethel means house of God. A place where his, his presence, God's presence can be expected. And it's a place where God can be called upon and where God can speak if you're listening. And it's an anointed place, as we said. An anointed place. Now, are you still with me? Uh, we start. Started talking about connecting Jesus, we're the vine and the branches. We talked about, we backed up and saw where Abram 
and, and God connected, and then, and then Jacob and, and God are connecting because of his grandfather uh, Abraham at that point. Now, join with me in John chapter 1. I want to go with, begin at verse 43. Jesus has already called some of his first disciples. This little section is, is, is about him calling Philip and Nathaniel. Okay? And I'm going to uh, read, uh, I'm going to start at verse 43. And read, read uh, to, verse, to the end, to verse 50. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. I, I need to take a little side. You know, those men that Jesus called they had some schooling. Uh, my understanding is that almost... Uh, all Jewish children were raised somewhat. They knew at least the Torah, okay, the first five books. They were raised to, to know the first five books of the Bible. And my understanding is, is if, if you were real, they considered you real smart, then a rabbi would, would approach you and say, come follow me. And he wanted to teach you more, okay. He wanted to. But if not, they, they, they pretty much released you to take up your father's trade. You were, you were released to go take up your father's trick. Because they didn't, in their eyes, you just didn't quite have what it took. Okay. Jesus is calling these men. He's telling them to come follow me. And they see an opportunity to learn more and learn more. So they start following him. That, that's just a little side trip there. I love it. Because he's, he's called all of us to follow him. Think about that. Think about that. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Here's Nathanael. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. I think King James says no God. There's nothing false. About he, he's real. He's just... What, what you see is what you get. I mean, he's just real. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi. See, that's teacher. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, and pay attention here, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Where did we hear that from? Jacob. 
he is describing exactly what happened 2,000 years before to Jacob that night when he was fleeing from his brother. And he was making, God was making that eternal connection with Jacob. When Jacob declared, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. Was Jesus saying that all of a sudden Bethel is in a new place? I mean, a physical place? No, I don't believe he was saying. Was he telling Nathaniel that he would see an open heaven? I, yes, I think he was. He, he was going to be able to see an open heaven, but I think he was telling him even more, more than that. We see, what we see fulfilled here is that covenant that was established at Bethel with Jacob being fulfilled. An open heaven, the house of God. Nathaniel is seeing that Jesus is the anointed rock. See, he, that's why I took that little side trip. He, he had been taught the Torah. He, he knew those scriptures, you know, in Genesis, Exodus. He knew those scriptures. And, and all, he's, he's declaring him the, uh, the son of God. It, he, he saw the anointed rock standing before him. And it wasn't a place. It wasn't a stone. It was a person. And this is why I'm going to quote Charles Simpson's uh, little comment on this. He said, the, quote, house was no longer a place but a person. It was no longer uh, a place but a family that would be blessed. And it was called to fill the earth as God told Abraham, that it would happen. We were worshiping this morning, and, and um, you know, we don't realize it, but God's presence, we don't know every detail, but, but God's presence is filling the earth wherever we're meeting with him, if that makes sense. Um, uh, Pastor Langston, come, come here for a minute, please. <laughs> no, look, we're here together. And just imagine we're just we're just by ourselves somewhere. Okay, God's true to His word. Mm-hmm. We're two or more together in His name. The, the house of God is right here. The house of God is right. His presence is right here with us. I, I, can, be, I, can, I can be with Brother Bill just one-on-one somewhere. Y'all can sit back down. And, and all of a sudden, that, the house of God, which, which is the open, the door is open for heaven. Yes. It's right here. Amen. His presence is there because it's, it's the house of God. It's not a place. It's a person. And our relationship and staying connected with that person and abiding in that person. There's something open about that. I don't know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a getting at a loss of words to. Um, but it's there. That open heaven is there when we're meeting. Um, we, um, Sarah and I uh, were out to lunch a few Sundays ago with uh, Demku and Amsel. And we're just sitting, enjoying a meal. We had. 
we had blessed the meal. We were sitting down and talking. I'm, but I'm telling you, when I left that, Sarah and I talked, the, there was a presence of God in the midst of our conversation. Yes, we were, we were getting to know each other, sharing where we've been, what we're having. But, but then, uh, Amazon, she starts staring about things happening across the world that she can, she can read um, some, uh, I don't know what language it was you were reading, but she can read news accounts where Jesus is showing himself to Muslims, written dreams, and, 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 and things are changing. And we were, we were in the house of God in the middle of a restaurant. Because Jesus was there. Are you getting Where we are, he is. Because he's, he's faithful. That connection is there. See, we're provided almost a permanent access point through which we may forever communicate with God. Here and now. We don't have to wait till we get there. It's happening here and now. Jesus. Jesus, in our relationship, we're in the very house of God, okay? And that open heaven is always available. Because if we're with Jesus and he has that access through the Holy Spirit, we have that access. And when we pray heaven on earth... Expect it. Expect it. Because we're all, we're abiding. We're connecting with that. Okay. Um, okay. I hope I've. I've I hope I've established that enough, that our connection with Jesus is, 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 is with the very house of God and his presence. And, and there's open heaven over any situation that, that we're in when we're abiding with him. Now, results of abiding in him. Well, first and for, foremost, we, we've already established this. We get that close, intimate relationship with him when we are abiding with Jesus. And we're keeping that connection. We're, those lines of communication that are, that are open, right? we, that, that intimate uh, uh, relationship that we desire with him. For him to come and teach him because we're following. We're following. He's going to teach. Another is the fruitfulness we read about and much fruit. And, and most people think of the fruit of the Spirit, which is true. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That, But I think there's so much more. 
fruit that comes forth from us abiding from that, from that connection with Jesus. Um, the fruit of producing other disciples. That's fruitfulness. That's, see, that's lasting fruit, which he said we will have. Producing other disciples. It's the fruit of understanding his word. And, and, and when we read it and, and sharing it, to me, that, that's fruit of, of abiding with him. And it may be just one little thing that just pops out. But see, that's, that's the fruit of abiding with him. Uh, the fruit of hearing his voice and, and then obeying. That's what Jesus did with, with Jesus. And he's hearing from the Father. We're, we're with Jesus through the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit. He, he said he sent it so we could, that, that could happen. That, and, and we're with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And he's speaking to Jesus. And Father's speaking to Je- He's speaking to us. He's speaking to us. The fruit of seeing what the Father is doing and then joining him in doing it. Jesus saw what the Father was doing, and, and then he went and did it. You could go off, on, I, and he saw what the Father was doing. I'm sure he passed so many sick people, but for whatever reason, Father didn't say stop and touch that. He would say go over here and touch this one. For whatever reason, he's sovereign. The fruit of Serving the body of Christ. That's fruit in serving the body of Christ. That's fruit in, in fulfilling the destiny that God's called you to. And we've, we've talked about this since the first year. Tapping in and, 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 and calling on those giftings within you that have been placed there. For the body. For us. For all of us. Don't keep it to yourself. It's for all of us. Your giftings are for everyone in this room. And then the fruit of, and you fill in the blank, because I'm, I'm sure there's more fruit that God's placed in your life that I'm not even I'm talking about. Another one of the fruits is answer prayer. We're not, uh, we're not going to get in that, to that today. Um, but he desires that that connection, that abiding, that presence stay with us. His desire is that it stays with us. And now, as uh, briefly as I can, I, I, I want us to go back to about three situations uh, that I feel like God showed me where in Scripture where Jesus is drawing back to himself those who were somewhat disconnected. And one, one is a parable. One are actually uh, two examples that we know, but I, I want to help us see that maybe in a different light, knowing Jesus desires that connection. He desires us to, to dwell in the house of God. And, and it's not a building, okay? It's not a building. Uh, Luke chapter 15. And it's the parable of the lost son and the prodigal son, the lost son. It starts at verse 11 and goes actually through verse um, 32. 
actually to the end of the chapter. But I want to just pick out a few verses here. The parable of the lost son. It, he's asked for his father's inheritance and his portion of it. And he, he's not the eldest. The, the eldest got a double portion, according to Jewish law and tradition. The eldest son got a double portion. So anyone else down the line, it was divided, um, um, which means he, he got his half, and then he got the half of anybody else. That's, that's what the double portion meant. So uh, uh, my, my understanding and studying on that is that the, the, the prodigal son, the, the youngest brother, ended up with maybe 25, 25%, okay. If you calculate, if there were no other sons and none other, none are mentioned, but he asked for that, and now and now he's taken it and he squandered it, and we're picking up at verse seventeen. When he came to his senses, see, I can identify with that. When he came to it, whatever happened. And however he came to his senses through remembering teachings from his father. See, he, was, he, he had been taught. This is, this is a parable being, being, being told to Jew, Jewish people. He, he probably knew the five first, at least the first five books of the Bible. Okay. When he came to his senses. Now at verse 20. When he came to his senses, so he got up and went to his father. Got up and went to his father. Now, I love this part. And it, it picks up at, at, at the rest of verse 20. When he came to his senses, he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. I mean, this is a parable, a picture Jesus painted of receiving back someone that has been disconnected. Thought he was walking away from it all, but he said, no, no, no. He's mine. He's mine. He's mine. And I love that picture of the, the father expecting him to return. See, we may walk away. And I, I can say that because I have. Early on in my life. Because I, I was brought up better. I was at least brought up on the first five books of the Bible, maybe even more because I was brought up Baptist, okay? I had scripture memorized, I, you know. But here's Morris walking over here now. Having nothing to do with the house of God. Nothing. Nothing to do with Jesus. But Jesus had something to do with me. He loves for that connection to want to come back together. He loves it. He loves it. Okay, let's look at another example very quickly here. Um, Luke chapter 24. 
You may not see this like I see it, but I, I saw this clearly when I was looking at this. And it's the two that are on the road to Emmaus. And the, and the two on the road to Emmaus were walking away from Jerusalem. And they, they explained themselves later that, that uh, what, what they thought was supposed to happen, that Jesus was coming to redeem Israel. In their eyes and estimation, and it didn't look like it was going to happen. And they say he was supposed to rise, but no one's seen him. So they're walking away. They're walking away from all the events, everything that happened. They were downcast. You ever been downcast? Man, I just... No. It's almost like you're at the end of your rope. Okay. Verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. His desire is to connect and do all he can to keep that connection. He sought them out. He said, no, 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 you, you think you're walking away. You're not walking away. You're not walking away from this. Pick up at verse 30. Now, they walked along and walked along, and, and Jesus has revealed scriptures to him. Verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? See, I that goes back when you're connecting with Jesus. One of the fruits is his word opens up to you when you're connecting with Jesus. When you're connecting with Jesus, his word opens up to you. Now, they were in direct connection with Jesus, and he was explaining. And, and, and then they found out, were not our hearts burning? And he was saying all this stuff to us and now it makes sense because we're they were connecting with him okay you know i i shared a little bit about this at uh, the last men's meeting we had the first of the month and um and it has to do with fruit coming from connecting from his word and lasting fruit and they gave an example of, um, I don't know if you've uh, been involved with the Gideons before. You know, they put the Bibles in the motel room. Any place that they can put the Word of God, they are going to put the Word of God worldwide. And um, 
I've heard several speak before, some from personal testimony, some given testimony of other people. But what, what I've come to appreciate is that testimony after testimony after testimony of, 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 of uh, someone um, pretty much on their last, last leg at the very end of their rope, picking up the word of God, and all of a sudden, see, they're connecting. They're connecting. Whether it's at the unction of the Holy Spirit, whether it's them remembering something their mother said, their father said, their brother said, all of a sudden they're connecting with the word and a life is changed forever because of that connection with the word. Tremendous testimonies what the Word of God can do and the lasting fruit that the Word brings forth. I believe Jesus saw two thinking about walking away from it all. He said, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen. They're mine. They're going to remain with me. Matthew, um, actually Matthew 26 and John 21, that, and Matthew 26, you don't necessarily have to go there. But we see Jesus denying Peter, verses 69 through 75. The, the, Jesus said, you will deny me three times. And, and you can read through that. And we see Peter actually de denying Jesus those three times, literally disconnecting with ever knowing him. Was he trying to look and see what was happening? Yeah, but totally, I mean, vehemently, disconnecting and calling down curses on, on himself, is what the scriptures say. I, I, I don't know the man. And totally disconnecting with Jesus in that scene. And it's also in John 18, but in John 21, Jesus reconnects with his disciples. He's risen. And he's reconnecting with them, and particularly with Peter. And at verse 5, they've been out fishing. We know this story. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now here's an example of fruitfulness by connecting and abiding with Jesus. You got a boat full of fish. Because they were connecting with Jesus. I know at that point they didn't even realize. Which gives me to think you can be connecting with Jesus and not even realize. Because he loves people so much. He loves for that connection to come back again. In verses 15 through 22 is where Jesus reinstates Peter. When he says, do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Take care of my lambs. Do you love me? I believe that he will particularly come to us when we need to reconnect, when maybe... We've walked away in an area of our life, 
or we walked away completely. His desire is, is, is to give us life and give it abundantly. His, his desire is that we, we keep that connection, that we keep abiding with him, that we keep remaining with him. And he did that for me in 1975. And he actually does that pretty much on a daily basis. Do you realize it can happen on a daily basis? That connection. That, that being in the house of God. I can walk through those doors. I'm in his presence. I can walk out the door. I'm in his presence. Because I'm remaining with him. I can sit down to lunch. I'm in his presence. I can get in my car. I'm in his presence. See, I was that lost son in 1975. I was the one walking away. I was denying my relationship. And yet, my Jesus came to me. And he actually gave me a song. I might have shared this before. Uh, I'll share the words. I'm not going to sing it. But he gave me a song. To, it's almost like to remember that occasion. Because all of a sudden, I came to my senses. It's like I... I it was like, I realized something was missing. And it was his presence, because I was taught to seek his presence. This is a song the Lord gave to me, and it's, it stays with me. Um. Because I was, I was in the muck and the mire, okay? And as David said, he pulled me out of the muck and the mire. Jesus came when I was sinking, sinking deep within myself. All that mattered in this whole world was seeking just my happiness. The only person I was concerned about was Mr. Morris. What made me happy? But Jesus came when I was sinking, stretched out his hand and said to me, simply take it and I'll lead you into eternal happiness. And it was like a vision he gave me as he gave me this song of his hand just reaching down to me in 1975. Well, it was hard. It wasn't easy. I'm not. When you're comfortable and you, and you get comfortable, even though you wake up and you kind of come to your senses, and it's, 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 it's hard because you know you're stuck. Well, it was hard. It wasn't easy as the tears came down my face. But I stretched my hand out slowly, and when I touched them, I felt his grace. And something washed over me. And I got my behind up from where I was. And I went running back home to my wife. 
And she graciously took me back in. I have no doubt, even though she may not have risen like it was through the love of the Father that she took me back in. His desire is for us to abide in Him. He is the very rock. He is the anointed house. He is the veritable house of God. His presence always. The, the house of God. That connection, the love with the Father is always there when we're connected to Him. One last thing, because I want to see... Peter was reconnected with Jesus. See what happens when even when we're reconnected with him, how his grace flows and the fruitfulness comes. Acts chapter 2, just right over from John 21. And God, like for the first time, just showed me this. Um, John... Uh, I mean, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up. Now, the Holy Spirit, I mean, they've already experienced the thing with the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire. I mean, it's there. It's happening. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Let me explain something to you here. Listen carefully to what I say. Being connected with Jesus brings in a boldness within you for him. Peter, who had denied three times, who had walked away, run away, was now in boldness declaring things. Of Jesus because of his being that reconnection taking place. Boldly. Abiding brings forth boldness in us for him. Abiding brings forth boldness in us for him. Amen. And then in Acts, all over Acts 2, verse 36. We're familiar with, with all this. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to that number that day. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, abiding, staying connected brings much fruit. And it's continuing on today. Being connected to him gives access to his presence 
his house ever. It does. Think about the next time you're with a brother or sister at lunch. And you don't have to be opening the scriptures. You can be talking about life. What's happening in your life? What's happening in their life? It's a place for an open heaven. It's there. Recognize it. Draw upon it. Amen. Hallelujah. That was good. That was real good. You know, this is the only platform. It's the only mechanism in life. Whether created by God or man created, that we can connect with a higher being. Really is. Any other religion, any other thing outside of Christianity, you have to do something, work hard, and even then you still can't connect to it. Christianity is the only way, the only mechanism that has been provided to man to be able to commune with God in a relationship, in a relational capacity. That's powerful. And how you can receive the benefits of being connected with Him, sometimes without even knowing that you've been connected with Him. Well, I don't know what happened. I mean, I, you know, there's going to be things that happen in your life where, you know, you, you get born again or you rededicate your life and then it seems like all H-E double hockey sticks just breaks loose in your life. But even in the midst of that, there's so much life and so much peace and there's things that happen and you wonder what is going on. You're connected. And that life and that fruitfulness is coming out of that connection. Father, help us where we need help. Father, I'm reminded of uh, in Luke, one of the scriptures that he gave, the two men that were on the road to Emmaus, they were walking because of discouragement. Maybe they didn't. They were frustrated. They didn't see what they thought they were supposed to see or it wasn't coming to pass maybe in their life. And you met them at that place of discouragement. You met them at that place of disappointment. You met them at that place of frustration and spoke truth to them and they received it. And the minute they received it, the minute their eyes were open, they recognized and realized, oh, we were walking with the Son of God. Stand with me while we pray and, and dismiss. I just want you to, you know, close your eyes and just meditate for a minute. You, you've, you've, you've come and encountered God this morning. You've come and walked with Him and connected with Him, even in the midst of the storm, literally and figuratively. In the midst of the rain, in the midst of uh, things going on in your life or things going on around us, you've come and you've connected with Him. And I just say, let's just all lift our hands and let's just receive the fruitfulness that's been imparted this morning.
We prayed, we expected for the bread of life, and now it has been manifested to us. So, Father, we just hold this up to you, and we just say that we're going to chew on this and meditate on this for the rest of the day. We're going to be connected with you today. We're not concerned with tomorrow, but for today, for the, for today, the rest of this day, we're going to stay connected. We're going to stay abiding in you. We're going to hold fast to that which you have deposited into us, and, and we're going to just enjoy that the rest of the day. Thank you for meeting us where we're at. I heard the Lord say just now, I just felt like the Lord said that even in your bowing your head and lifting your hands, I'm, I'm running to you. I'm coming right now where you're at. I'm meeting you where you're at right now. You know, as, as, uh, as flesh, as humans, we want to see We want you to prove it. We want. I want to see things. I want to. I want to see. I want you to put your money where your mouth is. I want you to. I want you to uh, step up to the plate. I want you to run with all your might. I mean, that's that's my that's my thinking. That's my analogy. And the Lord, in those scriptures that Morris used, the Lord just. I just felt like the Lord just said, just if you just glance in my way, if you just. Look in my direction. If you just lift your hands up, coming to yourself means you recognize that you are in a place of muck and mire, that you can't do it. And that point of recognition is where he'll meet you. Father, I thank you that you've met with every one of us and you're meeting with us right now where we're at, in that place. Thank you, Lord.